Here's what Paul said in Ephesians. Blessed be the God, and this is Ephesians 1, 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. In other words, what Paul was saying, we're already blessed in Christ. Okay? In the book of Ephesians, and I'm just, this is sort of just to help prop up this revelation message, Paul never prayed for, the, for, for that Ephesian people to get, to get their blessing. You go and say, he never prayed, I want you all to get their blessing. I want you to be blessed. He said, you're already blessed. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask God to open the eyes of your understanding that you can see how blessed you already are. And once you see it, you can start walking in it. You can, yeah, you can live from it. That's what Paul prayed. I want the eyes of your understanding to be open so you can see what God has done for you already. It's a finished deal. You're blessed. And when you see it, you can suddenly appropriate it into your life. But let me tell you, doctrine alone will not set you free from sin. You need revelation on that. Doctrine's important. It's real important. But you need revelation from God personally. In other words, it's great for me to have a revelation on that. But if Donna Carr doesn't have that revelation, Donna's the one that's going to live her life. I can't live my life through Donna. I can't keep her from sinning. But this revelation will keep her. Are y'all with me? So, that's number two. We must know this by revelation. We must know Romans 6, 6 by revelation. Uh, just throw this out. Wonderful. Joshua three sixteen. They were fixing to cross over into the promised land. Okay? And it says the waters were cut off all the way back to Adam. And I know when the Lord's spoke to me for a couple of years about entering the promised land, I couldn't figure out how to get in I seen it. No wonder I couldn't get there. You got you got to come through the cross. You got to see that old nature's been cut off all the way back to Adam. It really is all the way back. That's how you. That's how you're going to practically walk into your promises. The Word of Grace, God, and the Word of Grace is able to build you up and give you your inheritance all the way back. It's, that's that's Joshua three sixteen. Amen. That's good. That helped me because I was bummed about that. Promised land stuff, honestly. Because <laughs> I couldn't get there. The reason I couldn't get there was this revelation I liked. All right, let's look at verse 11. This is the next thing it says. I'm skipping over a bunch of stuff, but it's talking about your old man being dead. Amen. I say, Jim's getting revelation. There is a spirit of wisdom, and there's a spirit of revelation in here. I believe we asked for that this morning. God wants to give revelation on this. Don't strain, don't try, just let Him give it to you, allow Him. Uh, Verse 11, point number 3, you must reckon it so. It says, likewise, you also reckon yourself to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, here's what won't work. You you know, here's what reckon. Reckon is a faith word. I mean, it really is. It means to count it as so, to determine it as so, to deem it as so. You know, there's explanations about it being an accounting term, 1 plus 1 equals 2, etc., and so on. You know, we don't question one plus one is equal to two. But here's the problem, okay? You can't just reckon it away, all right, without revelation. See, you're able to reckon because you're coming from a place of revelation. You can deem something so, like what Becky said, is you can live it out if you know it by revelation. And that's what Paul was saying. Um, you got so, so you, you, you know it, then you can reckon it, okay? You can say, I'm dead. I am dead to sin. I was My old nature is really there, and I can reckon it that I do not have to sin any longer. 
because I have a new nature in me. So I'm reckoning that to be the truth. That is the facts of life. Oh, y'all look at me blank. And I understand this blank look because I have... She's got a word. Today. I can relate today. I felt like the Lord told me this morning. I didn't know what Byron was preaching on. But I felt like he said, because I read this very scripture this morning. He said, today is our day of reckoning. And I could relate to it like that. That reckoning term's hard to understand. But I felt like today is our day of reckoning. Of the old man debt. So... Amen. So the Lord's saying today is a day of reckoning. We've got to reckon this old man being dead. Amen. God's doing something. He's going to release revelation to people that your old man didn't mean to say, I can reckon that so. It's the truth. It's not just theology. It's not just because it's on verse 11 of the Bible in Romans 6. It is truly so in my life, God. The Bible is certainly the truth in me. It's not just the truth in somebody that's saying it. It's in me truth. And when you get up and walk out the door, your life will be different. That's the kind of thing to make your life different because everybody has to deal with the sin issue. Amen? All right. All right, let's read. I'm going to give you this. This will help you. This really is what really helped me a bunch. Amen. Yes. We don't know what Byron's going to speak on, but the word that came forth was revelation. So I'm telling you guys, there is a spirit of revelation here, and I'm saying sit on the edge of your seat to grab hold of it. Amen. Yes, Lord, give us revelation. Give us revelation that we have been placed in Christ, and our old man died with Christ, and we have a new life in us, and His name is Jesus Christ. Uh, this will help you. I'm going to give you number four and number five. Point four. Understand, you better get this one. Sin was not crucified with Christ. You got that? Sin was not crucified with Christ. Sin is very much alive. Sin is very much at Nowhere in the Bible does it say sin was crucified with Christ. It just didn't happen. He didn't kill sin. He's let sin continue on. Understand this. This is point number five. Understand your human body and your mind was not crucified with Christ. You got that? Your flesh. See my flesh? Old shaky arm. If I had a big old heavy arm, I could shake it, flap it around. My arm's such in good shape, it don't slap around. Okay? It's alive. My flesh is here, man. It's alive. You pinch me, I'm going to say, ouch. Ouch. Or whatever. You see what I'm saying? That's so important because for years I couldn't understand this because I kept thinking, well, sin's been crucified. Lord, I mean, I know it has. That's what the Bible says. And then I went looking for it in the Bible one day. It never says it that. Sin was not crucified with Christ. My human body, my fleshly body was not crucified with Christ. My nature, my sinful nature that I inherited from Adam, that's who was placed on the cross with Christ. Do you have that? That's, these are important things. They really will help you. Now, let's read uh, Romans six twelve through 14. This is what he says. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body. This is my mortal body. Okay? That you should obey it in its lust. Okay? And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead, 
and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law but under grace. Uh, you see what he's saying there? He's talking about our mortal bodies. He's talking about our members. You know, my hand, you know, some people in here are going to think bad about members. My hand is a member. Let's just put it like that. My foot's a member. My leg's a member. My little head's a member. And Paul's saying, hey, don't be presenting those things. These, this, this body, this fleshly body, don't present it. Now, turn over to James 4.1. James sort of helped me a little bit on this one. Let's just read James chapter 4, verse 1. And let me just make a couple of comments about it. He's basically saying the same thing Paul just said. And, and then you can turn back. Don't lose your place in Romans. Um, it says, where do war, James 4, 1, where do wars and fights come from among you? All right. Do they not come from your desires for pleasure? Let me say this. There is pleasure in sin. Now, I'm going to tell you that right now, because why would you sin otherwise? You know what I'm saying? Nobody's going to sin if there's no pleasure in it. Now, that's what the Scripture says. It talks about, you know, about Moses forsaking the, the passing pleasures of sin. It talks about in the Hebrew, somewhere else in the Hebrews about the pleasures of sin. Sin's pleasure for a short season. For the Christian, that season is real short, and then you wind up being empty and unfulfilled and discouraged and disgusted after you sin. But sin is pleasurable for a season. Let's just, let's just get that straight up. In other words, here's the way it really works, okay? The devil comes to you with a glass of water that he got out of the commode that somebody forgot to flush. But he doesn't tell you that's where it came from, and he's got all these spices and other stuff in it where it smells good, and he's got flavor in it where it tastes good. So you drink this glass, and boy, that tasted good, and then you find out where it came from. And that's just a good example of the way sin is. You think it's good, it looks good, it appeals to you, it even tastes good, but after you get it down in your stomach, you find out it came out of the men's bathroom and they forgot to flush the commode. That's a good picture of the way sin works. And you feel terrible. You should feel disgusted. I mean, that's a disgusting picture. <laughs> it says, Do not they come for your desires for pleasures that war where? War where? In your members. Now, see, that's where the war is fought. It's not fought between an old man and a new man. It's in your natural body, okay? Uh, the pleasures of sin do not disappear after we're saved. Let's just settle that. They do not disappear after we're saved. Sin as a principle in our members is not removed. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? Sin as a principle in your natural body is not removed by the crucifixion, by being placed in Christ. Sin is very much alive and well in the members of your body because as we know, the body's made up of three parts. The spirit's what's in touch with God. The soul's what's in touch with yourself. Your body's what's in touch with what? The world around you. And the world around you is full of sin. Therefore, sin comes to your body and affects your body. That's why we want to sin. And there's a pleasure associated with it. That's why the Lord, when He was back in Genesis trying to help old Cain out, He was saying this, Sin lies at the door. That's what He said. It's, lying, it's all around you out there in this world. Any opening that's in your life. And its desire is for you. Now, folks, that's, that's the truth. This morning, sin's desire is for every person in this room. It's lying at the door. It's waiting on you. 
It's waiting on you when you turn the TV on. It's waiting on you when you log on to your computer. It's waiting on you when you get to work. It's waiting on you when you get to school. It's waiting on you when you wake up in the morning in your sweet bedroom at home. It's waiting. This desire is for you. It's reaching out for you. But God said, hey, man, you've got to rule over it. That's what he said. You've got to rule over it. But you should rule over it. Amen? Now let's go back to Romans. And let me give you the last point I'm going to give you today. But there's one more. I'll just throw it out at you. After this last one, I really want to give you. Is it? Are y'all getting any of this? This is this is what the gospel of grace is. That's what. This is how it teaches us. This is you know. And and these things can really, if you can see them by revelation, they will profoundly change your life. They really will. When it, in regards to this issue of sin. All right. In verse thirteen, it says this. This is number, point number six. Do not present your members as instruments of righteous, unrighteous sin, but present yourselves. Okay? Present yourselves. That's your whole self. Body, mind, and spirit. Present yourself, including your body, for sure, as being alive from the dead. Present yourself to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. In other words, what he's saying, this is the, 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 the next step after, after you reckon it. Then you present these members where there is the principle of sin at work. You present them to God. Okay? And here's the thing. The best picture I can see is the license plate that says God Copilot. Y'all seen that before, right? God, but really and truly, that's wrong. It is really, and what he's talking about here, I hate to tell us, I don't really hate to tell us, this is the truth. He's talking about the Lordship of Christ. Because here's the truth, to the, to, the, to the degree that Jesus is not the Lord over you, to that same degree you will sin. You will never get free from sin if he's just a co-pilot. Here's the way, this is the way it works. God is my co-pilot. I want you to be my pilot, Lord, when I'm in trouble and I can't see the way. Please help me and get me out of this. I want you to be my pilot when I need financial breakthroughs. I want you to be my pilot when I need a healing. I want you to be my pilot when I just need to be blessed. Yes, bless me, oh God, do this in my life. But every day, day in and day out, when I get up, when I go to school, you be the co-pilot, God. Because we're scared God's going to make us do something. Like... Oh, if I let him be the Lord, or truly be the Lord, he may make me go to Africa. And probably, if you lived in Maryland, you probably would say, I would love to go to Africa right now and get out of this place I'm in, people getting killed, putting gas in their car. You see what I'm saying? We think these stupid thoughts. And what we have to do, and because this is the truth, this is how it works. You can't overcome sin. You can't do it. Even though you have been buried in Christ, you still can't do it. Just like you can't overcome the law. You need Him to overcome it through you. That's the only way I'm not going to sin. I'm not going to sin because Jesus in me is going to say, we ain't sinning, pal. I'm the pilot, and you're not going to grab hold of these controls. You hear what I'm saying to you? Now, this is where it comes real. It's a choice. We have to make Jesus Lord. You know, when I was a young Christian, they used to say this thing, let go and let God. That was a big term back in those days. Well, it's the truth right now. If you want to really get free from sin, you've got to let go and let God because you cannot not sin without Jesus. You hear what I'm saying to you? Oh, you know, for Becky, cigarettes are not a problem. Okay? Smoking cigarettes, she ain't got to worry about smoking cigarettes. She quit smoking when she was 14, about a month after she started. 
You know, that's no deal. But there's other things I'm not going to tell you, which are real issues for her. I'm the issue for her. Not the, you know, but you see what I'm saying? But she, you know, for all of us, whatever it is that's pleasurable to us, he has to do it. Now, here's the way it works. I'm going to give you a really good present example. Since the Lord started revealing His grace to me, this is another thing He revealed to me this week. I, you ever seen these old pictures of kids looking through a knot hole on a fence, like a stockade-type fence, and you look through this knot hole and see some things on the other side? I felt like I, in the, in the Spirit, looked through a knot hole and looked across into this fence of my life. And what I saw, you know, you don't see the whole picture, but you see, you see a picture. And the picture I saw was this, my life, wood, hay, and stubble. I saw in my life how much it was me and not God. I saw it as being a, as a, being a parent. I saw wood, hay, and stubble of my children. I saw it as me being a husband to my wife, wood, hay, and stubble. I saw it in me being a pastor. I saw wood, hay, and stubble. And, you know, I just thought, oh, man, I'm in trouble. If I died today and stood before the judgment seat of Christ... Guess what would happen to all that I was seeing? It would be consumed. I would still be saved. The Bible says that, 1 Corinthians 3. But all my works, as a parent, as a husband, as a pastor, not all of them, but all that I saw in this little vision was going to be burned up. And I became extremely distressed by this vision. Oh, gosh, woe is me. What am I going to, what's going to happen to me, Lord? That's what I felt. Man, I am just, I'm ter- this is terrible. I'm a terrible, I'm terrible. That's what I thought. And it was like the Lord saying, yes, you are terrible, Byron, and I'm glad you're not going to heaven today. This is mercy. Because <laughs> I would hate to do that to you. <laughs> so I've been to, getting to talk to the Lord about it, and, and I said, okay, Lord, I know you've called me to be the parents of my, my, my children. I mean, Duh, you know, I already am. I can't get out of it. I can't be an unparent. I can't, you know, divorce my kids. I mean, that just don't work. I know you have, Lord. So, Lord, this is what I do right now. I am giving you my wood, hay, and stubble to my kids. All I've done that really wasn't you. I'm giving it to you. Right now, I'm giving it to you. I transfer it over to you. And I'm asking you to transfer into my life the ability, the exchange of being a real parent. I ask you to just release that into me. Then I thought about Becky. I said, Lord, I know I'm supposed to be married to Becky because it's too late. It's over 25 years now. I can't find nobody else. They won't have me. I've lost my hair. I'm not like I was when I was young and had long hair and was good looking and had a great personality. I'm not like that now. I'm 48 years old, and, you know, I've got issues in my body now. I didn't then. So it's just too late, Lord. And I know I'm supposed to be your husband, so I'm giving you my crummy self-husband stuff. I give it to you. Would you. You're the greatest husband there ever could be. Would you release that to me now? It's called the divine exchange. Because, you see, this is the truth. God really isn't not interested in changing a soul in this room. Now, we are changing a sense from glory to glory, but there has to be this exchange. 
It wasn't like, oh, no, i got to spend the next 40 years trying to make this right. No, I don't have to spend the next 40 i got to go to the cross and humble myself, give my problems to God, and ask Him to give me His solutions. That's the, this is the gospel of grace. That's why I call it grace. It's a wonderful deal. Because Jesus suddenly, I'm saying, I'm submitting. I'm submitting, Lord. I'm bowing down. I can't be a good husband. I can't be a good father. But you can. I submit to your husband and ability. I submit to your father and ability. And he'll work it out in my life. He'll do it. And I even had a chance last night to be a good father. My son, who's not following the Lord, I was a king, calling him. You want to come home? You want to, hey, I'm fixing to fix some meat on the grill. You want to come eat with me? Yeah, Dad, I'll come. He came last night, sitting around. I said, wow, you should have brought your clothes and spent a night, man. He asked me this question. Why? And what he wanted to know was this. He wanted to know, are you saying that to me so I can come to church tomorrow? I said, well, you could just, it'd been easy. You could spend the night and got up and went home in the morning in the light. I didn't say a word to him about coming to church. And that was Jesus. Because my flesh went in and you to get in church, man. <laughs> ain't right. You know what I'm saying? That was Jesus saying that to him. My flesh would this, but I allowed Jesus to answer that question. And I think it blessed him. Because it's setting him free and taking the yoke off of him that I put on him. That, you know, you've got to do this my way. and Or it's the highway kind of attitude that I've had for years with him. But here's the other one. This is what I want to share with you. It's exciting. It's about being a pastor. Because I honestly said, Lord, you know, I shared with you how I felt burned out and wanted to quit. Well, dude, I said, wait a minute now. I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not going to be a pastor like this anymore, Lord. I'm not going to do this wood, hay, and stubble stuff. I'm through with that. And I went back and started searching my heart, looking at my motives, looking at all these different things in my life. And I said this, oh, Lord. I said, Lord, I'm giving you my resignation. I resigned from being the pastor of this church. And I was ready to come in here and give it to you. I'm serious. I'm through. I'm not, I, Byron Wicker, am not going to be the pastor of this church anymore. I'm through, Lord. Will you accept my resignation? And he said, yeah, I accept it. Then I said, I don't have to be the pastor like I have to be a parent and a husband, Lord. You know what I mean? I don't have anything, you know. We can find another pastor for the church. It's like I've told you, this church will go a long way, long gone after I'm gone. It's, you know, it's got God's, God's code in it. It's got God's strength in it. So it's not like this, oh, you got to do it, you know, all that stuff. I said, here I am, Lord. I'm presenting myself to you. If you want to pastor this church and you just happen to want to use my body, I present my body to you to pastor this church. But you're going to be the pastor, Lord, not me. And he said, this is what Jesus said to me. I would like very much for you to do that. If Jesus would have said to me, no, I don't want you to do that, I promise you I wouldn't have done it because I am not, I have committed my heart. So here's the great thing, everybody. You have a new pastor. And, and you have got Jesus as your pastor. From this day forward, He's going to do it because I quit. Christ in me and the life I live as a pastor, the life I live as a husband, the life I live as a daddy, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. 
Do you see that? That's presenting. That's presenting. And I want to ask you a question this morning. I know it's time to quit. Three minutes over. I want to ask you a question this morning. What do you need to resign from? What do you need to resign from? I think God's calling us to resign. Okay? From some things. And this is the truth. And it's true sincerity. Do you want to build with wood, hay, and stubble and get before the Lord and see it all burned up like in His presence, your life's work, your life's calling, everything you've poured effort into, your children, your lovely wife, your business, your career, that you want to see it burned up before the Lord? I would suggest you probably really don't. And I pray God give y'all a revelation of that like you gave Just a little wink, a little teeny thing. I don't know. All of it wasn't wood, hay, and stubble. I believe God somehow overcame my craziness, you know, and did some things, you know, in spite of me. But I think what we have to do is we have to resign and say, Lord, I've resigned. Officially, I'm through now. Do you want to use me to do this? And if he says, no, I really don't. I really don't want to use you to do this. Then you can say, okay, well, let's figure out how to do it, um, how to get me out of this thing without being, you know, ridiculous. You know what I'm saying? So I, there's a call for resignation. I want you to resign, whatever it is. I want to say to you, whatever your ministry is, resign it right now. Because if Jesus is not doing that ministry, it is wood, hay, and stubble. It's wood, hay, and stubble. I'm serious. I don't care how good it looks. I don't care how much fruit you think you've got. When it comes before his probing eyes, it's wood, hay, and stubble. It's no good. I don't care how good a parent you think you are. You are not if it's not him. You can be, you young families, you can be excellent parents. Um, exchange life, not change life. Ask, resign and ask God if he wants to do it through you. If he says yes, present your members. That's what I did. I present my members. You can be the pastor here, Lord. You can use my body. You can use my old mine. You may have to have some bad English to deal with. and <laughs> But you can use it. And you can be the pastor of this church. If you're a businessman, you can say, Lord, I got... He says, resign, but I still want you to keep the business. I just want to run the business. Let him run it. You hear what I'm saying to you? Gospel of grace. This is, what it's, this is where it comes down to. Present yourselves. And... <clears throat> Uh, let me just tell you number seven uh, about walking in the Spirit. And I'm not going to go on that because that's Romans chapter 8, which really tells us, it really gives us the whole issue of the Holy Spirit, and which the Bible calls the Spirit of grace, as far as allowing the Holy Spirit. Because you know, he, you know, let me just read this scripture to you. It says in 2 Corinthians 13, 14, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Okay? Uh, what role does the Holy Spirit have to play? You know, the fountainhead of everything is God's love. It all flows out of His love. But the grace, the grace of Jesus Christ is how the love of God is expressed. Okay? That's how it's expressed. That's how it is, is brought to us. But the Holy Spirit is the one who communicates that grace, that love into our lives. That's where he comes into play. So the Holy Spirit is real important in all this, and I'll admit I'm not giving you the whole story on it, but I told you I couldn't. But I think really it's important. The Lord wants first to give us revelation, knowing this, 
that you don't have two natures. You've got one nature. You're a new person in Christ if you're saved. If you're not, you're still an old man. You've got other issues. But we can fix those issues. Jesus can. Number two, knowing this, that you know you were placed in Christ by revelation. Number three, that you can reckon it so because you know it by revelation. Simple faith and a true life-changing fact. Amen? And that's really, Lord, I just pray that for anybody who wants to resign. If you, as, as a, uh, now, you've had enough chance to think about it. If you want to resign something to the Lord, would you stand up before the Lord right now? And you may have already done all this, but I'm just catching up with you. You're resigning whatever it is you feel like the Lord's brought to your mind. For me, it was parenting, fathering, husband, being a husband, and being a pastor. Those are the three things I saw wood, hay, and stubble in my life. felt great remorse. So, Lord, uh, just first, God, we need revelation on this. We need revelation that anything we do is worthless. Lord, we need revelation that we have been placed in Christ. And I ask you that we could reckon it so today. Lord, there was two things you gave us. is revelation and reckoning. And the third thing, Lord, I believe you're saying is to present. And, Father, those who have resigned, if they have truly resigned in their hearts, whatever it may be, truly, and this is the truth, that they could ask the question, do you want me to keep doing it by giving my, presenting my estimates to you for you to do it because I'm not going to do it no more. I'm not going to be this thing no more. I'm not going to do it no more. I can't do it. Everything I do is wood, hay, and stone, but everything you do is gold, silver, and precious stones. And that's what I want my life to be built with. So, God, I just say that for these over these people, Lord, and you can talk to people yourself. And I just thank you, Lord. Thank you that you're the pastor of this church because it's yours. And if it goes haywire, Lord, you can, you can fix it. Amen. Jesus is now the pastor. Oh, by the way, he did tell me something when I told him that. He said, you know there are going to be some changes. <laughs> he said that to me. He said, I, there's some expansion that I want to do. You know, I don't know what any of that means, but I'm saying, okay, you want to change things, expand things, do it. You know, I'll do what, you know, you're going to do it, though. I'm not doing it. Amen? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for people getting set free right now in this room. That they're getting revelation that it's the grace of God that delivers.